0: Hello and welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who, oddly enough, has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive into all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of what the bump I'm excited for today's podcast. We have Betty Flores coming on the podcast to share about her birth story with her first baby. Betty is currently 32 weeks pregnant with her second. So she's probably going to talk a little bit about that too. So thank you for coming on the podcast and being willing to share your journey through pregnancy with us. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share. (laughs) Perfect. So let's start out with like the basics. Tell me how you met your partner. Okay, so I met my
1: husband, Josh, in 2011. It was just at a friend's house that we called the Cantina. Um, And it was just through mutual friends. So we actually played Little League with a guy that I ended up going to high school with. And then, like, I don't know, later on in college, we all just kind of stayed connected. And they'd have get togethers. And that's where we met the first time he actually met me. He didn't talk to me at all, but Mm -hmm. like, as he is like recalling the story, he's like, this is what you wore. And this is who you showed up with. And I was like, Oh, you know, he paid attention. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I was just like really shy and you're intimidating. And, um, yeah. And he always tells the story of like, being with his friend and saying, Well, I'm gonna get that girl one day. But, anyways, we didn't. We met in like 2011 and dated here and there, kind of like casually dated, but didn't get serious until 2012. So,
0: awesome. Yeah. So, tell me, I know you're 32 weeks pregnant with your second baby. Yes. So, and you've had one previous birth, right? And how old is that baby yes. now? That baby's two. She just turned to
1: um, January 20th and her name's Sienna. Sienna? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so tell me about finding out, you were pregnant with Sienna. So Josh and I got married in 2015. And it's funny because he like, was like, let's get pregnant right away. And I was like, "Whoa!" like we talked about babies and getting pregnant, but I was definitely not ready. So we started trying and we got pregnant right away in 2018. And that was after I had an ACL tear. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm going to be out for a good 12 months. So if I'm going to be out, this is like the best time to get pregnant yes. just because I was like really big into soccer and things like that. So I was like, if I can't play soccer for this long, I might as well kind of like heal and get pregnant at the same time <laughs> and have a baby and heal from all that. So yeah, 2018 is when we got pregnant. Um, and it was, I don't know, fairly quickly. I'm going to say I think I tore my ACL in like March and had the surgery in March or tore it in February and had the surgery in March and then got pregnant in May. Okay. So probably like two months of trying two or three months.
0: It's like people who want to like knock out all their babies back to back. You know, they're like, why like ruin my body? <laughs> well, I don't want to say pregnancy or having a baby ruins it because it doesn't. But you know, yeah. that's kind of the mindset. Like why put my body through all that, you know, get back in shape and heal and then go through all of it again in like two or three more years. Why not just hit them all yeah. at once? And that's like, you were like, I'm an, I already tore my ACL. I'm already down for the count for a little bit. So let's just yeah. do this not to. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I was like, I'm not going to heal, get back into soccer and then have to
1: stop for another nine months. Plus, you know, after that, um, and get pregnant.
0: So that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> I totally understand that. So tell me about your pregnancy, both of your pregnancies, your current pregnancy and your pregnancy with your first, just tell me, I guess, about like your journey through pregnancy. Did you have any, you know, issues, struggles, or complications during your pregnancies?
1: So no, um, major complications with either of, um, um, first trimester with my first was definitely difficult between like, I don't know, you, you miss your period and you're like, Oh, I'm four and five weeks pregnant. I'm great. Like I passed the morning sickness and it doesn't actually start to like week six or seven. So that's exactly what happened was I think week six through like 14 or 15. I was super nauseous. I didn't ever puke or throw up, you know, it was more dry heaving, which I don't know which is worse. (laughs) And a lot of like food and like smell aversions during that time. So my biggest one, um, was coffee aversion, like even the smell of coffee. And I love coffee. Like I was drinking so much coffee prior, which like listening to your podcast about like limiting that and like decreasing that and things like that. And I was like, it was definitely a struggle kind of lowering that number to the, like the 200 milligrams that they recommend that I remember just like bawling whenever I would smell coffee or like my husband I was like you need to. you can't make coffee in the house like you have to get it at work or like on your way to work because I just can't do it so that was probably um the biggest one and I was super exhausted like I would remember like crying as I was like going into work because I was so tired and I just like wanted to sleep. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I just want to sleep. So I think those were my big ones. But then after like the 15, 16 week, everything was like pretty good. I didn't have any issues at all, which I was super grateful for. I only had morning sickness for about four weeks. So it was a lot shorter. What weeks was that from? It was the first trimester again. So probably around five to nine. Okay. Yeah, so it was super short, which I appreciated because I had the little one running around and Mm -hmm. I'd be like, dry heaving in the bathroom and I'd be like, mom's sick, but I'm okay. You know? And then like, she would pretend dry heave outside or like in the toilet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope like my biggest concern was like, she's like so young. She's not going to remember this, but like in my head, I was like, I hope this doesn't trigger like an eating disorder or something weird with food. Other than that, it's been really good. I am low in iron this pregnancy, which is different. Um, I don't feel any more tired or any different. At least not um up until probably this last week. This last week I've been really tired, but we tried like over the counter vitamins and things like that, and it wasn't helping. Kind of boost that, so I'll actually be getting an infusion at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I do know um, some pregnant women who do become very like anemic and iron deficient and have to go through Mm -hmm. the the transfusion. But how has like I know working out is a huge thing in my life, and I know it is in yours, just from. You know, following you on Instagram and everything. How has how have you like been able to keep up with fitness throughout your pregnancies? What are like things that you've modified or tried that have worked well for you?
1: Yeah. So first pregnancy, I could have done more,
0: uh, but I was also working full
1: time, and I don't know. I with my ACL tear, like I just did a lot of just rehab stuff. So that was definitely interesting because I would like walk or do um, some elliptical or things like that, and like lightweight workouts and things like that and I was just like always so tired that like by the time I got home I was like "Eh, I walked enough at the so I I used to work at an inpatient hospital as a social worker full-time so like walking up and down the stairs or across to different units and things like that like I felt like I was always doing something um so this pregnancy I stay home primarily and then just work PRN so I feel like I have more time to like fit in a workout which Before I got pregnant, I was super active as well. It was just part of my routine, I guess. And in that first trimester, I actually joined... Um, somebody's like virtual training programs that I met on Instagram. Cause I was like, I'm not going to want to, but I know it'll be good for me to just like, yeah, to like get up and move um, and just do what I can. Right. So even though I wasn't feeling good, they'd still like show up and we were in different time zones. So it was like nice because I would get the recordings, you know, and I would just like tag this person and I'm like, okay, they know I did it, but yeah, it gave me the accountability to do that. So once I wasn't sick, it just kind of continued. I think the biggest thing for me that I've had to modify is just my running. Cause I'm not, I definitely like with soccer, it's more like spurts and sprints and things like that. And it wasn't something that I was like continuously doing just because of COVID. I want to say June or July is when I got pregnant of last year and COVID and everything was like March-ish so I hadn't even been playing for that long anyway it was more like just hit stuff outside or like on my treadmill and things like that so yeah I didn't do much of I've definitely like dialed down with like my cardio type stuff and I'll maybe walk on the treadmill or I was doing a lot of bike stuff but then my like hip my hip started hurting and like my pelvis started hurting which I didn't have last time but Again, I wasn't exercising like I am now. So I don't do much bike. um, And it's just a lot of like weight stuff, um, which I just, I think I've modified the amount of weight I use and then not working out like on my back as much so that I don't get like nauseous and those type of things. And I don't do much ab stuff. Like it's more so like breathing and like posture stuff that I try and like correlate with my ab,
0: my abs or my stomach muscles. Right. Yeah. I think the The hardest part about working out, especially when you get further along is just like the balance, like how much your balance changes when it comes to basic, simple movements. You know, you might've used to be able to squat like 200 pounds, but when you got this belly and your balance and your equilibrium is just so different it can be a big challenge and it can be really frustrating too, like mentally for people. I'm sure you can relate to that for people who are used to being so active. You're used to playing soccer and, you know, running sprints. And I'm sure you run a lot when you play soccer. And then the mental aspect from, from going from that to, you know, being in quarantine and, and all that stuff and the exercise, I can even tell you right now at eight weeks, like mentally, it's very hard on me because there are so many days where I want to work out but I'm so tired and nauseous mm-hmm. that I can't even fathom it.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and then on the, on the flip side of that, in the first trimester, you're eating like crap. Like if you're eating right, right. in your first trimester, <laughs> I applaud you because I eat carbs and carbs and carbs. Like, yeah, all I can do. Yep. So I had somebody tell me, cause I was expressing that I was like really frustrated and deep down, like, I'm so grateful to be pregnant and I wouldn't change it for the entire world. But I was frustrated because I, was just like, you know, I want to do one or the other. I want to eat, be able to eat healthy, or I want to be able to exercise. And I feel like I'm right. feeling at both. And yes. they said to me, they were like, but what, when you're pregnant, your motivation to work out, what is it? Because right. when you're not pregnant, your motivation to work out is to stay fit, to be fit, maybe lose weight and gain muscle. But when you're pregnant, you need to reshape the way that you think about it, because your motivation to work out is no longer to lose weight, to gain muscle. To you know, be fit like that's you're you're more so doing it for like overall longevity and health of you and your baby, right? So that kind of made me feel a little bit better about it. But <laughs> yeah, no,
1: that's an awesome way um, to view it for sure. It's been interesting because like for me at least with my first, I was like, oh, I'm pregnant, so I felt like. It wasn't like a cop out. I don't feel like I get as frustrated with knowing that I can't do as much, but it was like postpartum where I was like, okay, I don't have the baby in me. Like I should be able to do these things. You know what I mean? So I think that's where I got more frustrated. And so I'm hoping this next time that I can like acknowledge and understand that my body has gone through all this, even though I've been um, more active with this pregnancy that there's still going to be an adjustment because I remember um, you know trying to get back into soccer or like weightlifting after Sienna my mind was like you can do this or this is what you need to do and my body was just like so slow or like it just felt super weak, you know, like I'd be like putting, I don't know, something as simple as like 25s on the squat rack. And I like could not do it. And I was like, what is happening? Josh would be like, remember, you just had like a baby X amount of time ago. Like you have to like give your body time to like acclimate.
0: And I'm sure the exhaustion postpartum it's probably just as bad as the first trimester, if not even worse, because at least in the first trimester, you're tired, but you're sleeping. Like, well, right. most people are, especially if it's your first baby, you're able right. to sleep. Like I'm averaging like 12 hours of sleep right now. Yes, yes. if I don't get 12 hours, I can't function the next day. Yes. And normally I'm like seven hours and I'm like, have so much energy and I'm ready to go every day at work. And I'm like at 12 hours right now and I'm struggling, but I bet postpartum, you know, the exhaustion can even be worse. And then right. you're telling yourself, well, you're not pregnant anymore. So you should be able to do this. And I can see that being yep. really frustrating too. Yeah, for sure. So with your first, did you have a birth plan or any like birth preparation prior to having her? So
1: I read Ina May's book, the now, birth. Yes. Yes. And I loved that so much. Plus I had um, a sister-in-law who had two babies unmedicated. So she kind of like coached me through like what helped her, which a lot of it, which I felt was like pretty valid is it's totally a mind game, like it's totally mind over matter. And I know some people's like pain tolerance is different than others, but I think just having the mentality that like this is gonna be like probably harder than anything you've ever done. And like, there's gonna be a time where like you think you can't do it, which in Ena Mae's book, like she talks about that too, or at least in some of the stories. But I think just knowing that and a lot of like, I did it, I watched a lot of YouTube, like unmedicated birth stories, hospital births, home births, and things like that, um, which for me, I felt like were the most empowering, like actually visually watching somebody do it and like seeing so many women do it. Plus a lot of like family members have gone and medicated too, but like they're all like older generations so of like we just yeah. did it. And I'm like, well, right. what did you do? <laughs> like, how did you prep for it? They're like, they I don't know I just like did. Like, <laughs> so um yeah, I think just knowing terminology too, like. don't know the ring of fire like the different stages um transition and things like that Josh and I did a just like a general birth course through the hospital out here at the University of Utah and so I think it was helpful for us to be there together so that he kind of knew the different things and how to support me too where they even like did excuse me some hands-on like Um, coping skills with like the medicine ball and like they gave us like different massage tools and like ways that he could squeeze my hips and things like that. And they taught things too, like if people wanted epidurals to do use the peanut ball or to change positions and things like that. So it was a super um, wide range kind of educational course that I thought was super helpful as well.
0: Yeah. I always tell people it will be the hardest thing that you ever do because sometimes people come in and they're like, especially if it's their first baby and they say, well, you know, I want to go on medicated, but if I get too uncomfortable, I'll get the epidural. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't lie to my patients. I won't do it. I look at them and I say, you are going to get more uncomfortable than you have ever gotten in your entire life. So if that is your mindset, you're going to get an epidural and that's fine. That is fine. You know, I zero preference, zero judgment on how you birth your baby, like C-section vaginal epidural, none home hospital doesn't matter to me. But I always say that. They're like, it, you know, if I get uncomfortable, I'm going to get it. And I'm like, I think what you said is true. It's the mindset, knowing yeah. that this is going to be most likely one of the hardest things that your body ever does and that you ever do. And knowing that you want to do it unmedicated sets you up a lot more for success because it is mind over matter. Right, and right. that mentally is huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I had a couple friends that were um due either a mother a couple months after like but fairly close and they're like, Well, I'm just gonna see like what my body tolerates. And I was like, Okay. I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. If like you want to do that, or like I was like, just kind of be prepared to get to the point where you're gonna want it. Cause and, and like I said, like you said too, like no judgment at all. I think everybody's whatever anybody's preference, like my biggest thing is always advocating for like women to like, at least be educated so yes. that they know. Um, Cause I've also like, there's sometimes where I'll go into birth stuff, like on my page and like ask questions, like, did you choose a midwife? Did you use an OB? Like, why did you do one or the other? Um, and that was another thing too. So my sister-in-law and a close friend of mine both had midwives and they both went unmedicated. So I was like, oh, okay. That was kind of a bigger reason I chose a midwife for my pregnancies and just kind of learning more about that and how they could support me too. So, and I didn't even get to have my midwife at my birth, but just like the support that I was provided by the midwife was just like, so hands-on, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I totally agree. Midwives, OBs are great too for unmedicated births, but you definitely, midwife or OB, you have to find the right one. And I did do a podcast kind of like explaining to people the difference between a midwife and OB. Um, So people can go back and listen to that because a lot of people do not know the difference. A lot of people don't even know what a midwife is. Right. it's yeah, it's definitely just building your birth team is very important, right? Were you planning a unmedicated hospital birth? Is that what you were planning?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I was planning an unmedicated hospital birth. First of all, and our insurance covered it like so much, like we barely had to pay anything out of pocket. So, um, that was a big reason, um, like looking into a birth center, like, I don't know, Josh was never open to a home birth. I think it kind of always freaked him out, which I like respected. I was like, we're in this together, you know, like it's not a decision I'm going to make on my own because I need you to be there like as part of my team for sure. So yeah, it was an an unmedicated hospital birth and they actually have like one authorized birth tub in the hospital. So they have tubs in all the rooms, but you can't, you can labor in, but you can't deliver because it's not like standard size for like, yeah. 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 So we actually ended up getting that room, which was amazing. So tell me about going into labor with your first, I was 38 weeks. Um, I had gone into an appointment that Friday. I didn't get checks or anything. Um, I opted out of those just because I didn't feel like they were going to be super helpful, at least for me mentally. You know, I would hear so many women saying that they were at a three or at a two and like, but then they'd stay there and I was like, I'm just not going to get it done. But anyways, um, I went in, it was a normal Friday, like nothing was happening. And then I think I lost my mucus plug that night and went into
0: started having contractions at three in the morning the next day. Let me backtrack one quick question. Did you do anything to like prepare your body? I know some people like 36 weeks or before that will do like red raspberry leaf or dates or anything like that. Did you do anything to kind of prime yourself? So I did do the dates. I started, I think at 36 weeks and I would just put them in smoothies.
1: Um, my sister-in-law did make these like awesome granola bars once for me. And I was like, I don't know why you put like what you made in those. Spout. I need all of that. <laughs> but yeah, so the dates and then the red
0: raspberry leaf is what I okay Good was job. like drinking and consuming. I, yeah. I swear. And like I said, I have no personal experience, but I have done um, I, I talk about it in a podcast. It's like how to induce yourself late or how to induce yourself naturally. Yes. And I talk about the dates in there and I have read so many studies, like scientific studies and listen to a lot of women's stories about, you know, labor after dates. And if you seriously look at the research, it it does change the length of labor, especially for first time moms. If you eat dates, you know, starting at around that 36 week mark, I believe is what they recommend. So that's interesting. Yeah. How you did that? <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. So, um, I did do that and then went into labor at three in the morning and I was trying not to like get too excited, but I was like, this has to be like, this has to be it." like, I don't know what it is. And my labor was more like back labor, like definitely like more pressure towards like my butt and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, it did not feel like period cramps for me anyway so that was like interesting I was like kept trying to like analyze like is this it is it not it so there was an on-call midwife um and I called her and I remember describing what I was going through and she's like yeah sounds like you're gonna be having a baby within the next 24 hours or so like happy birthing and I was like what (laughs) I just remember just like sitting there, like, okay, thank you. She's like, just, you know, remember like the 411 rule, like, which was in the class and things like that. And she like reminded me what that meant, just like um, counting contractions, you know, every four minutes for a minute or, yeah, as long as they were coming every four minutes, a minute long. And then within that, within an hour, yeah. And uh, I was like, okay. So then I like, I can't remember how long I like sat there for because I ended up going on the couch and then. Going back into the room and I like told Josh, I was like, I'm in labor, but it's okay, just go back to bed. And he's like, How am I supposed to go back to bed after you told me that? So, um, but we went about our day pretty normal. I remember I had like a hair appointment scheduled later that week that I ended up canceling. And then um, I was actually getting resilience, like once I couldn't see down there. <laughs> And so I like contacted the lady that was doing them. I'm like, this is probably so weird, but can you like fit me in today? And she's like, do you feel comfortable doing that? And I was just like, yeah, I just need to do it because I'm like postpartum. Like, I don't want to like have to deal with hair or anything. If I tear, like I was just so, I don't know why I was so weird about that, That that was a thing. I I don't think they started getting like, I really had to cope with them until like later that evening. And I remember I just like really wanted Chinese food which was not a good idea. My mom's like, you're going to puke. And she, I was just like, but it just sounds like so good. Like, she's like, but you're going to puke. You really shouldn't like eat that, you know? And anyway, I ended up eating that and I ended up like puking so much throughout that evening. And, uh, my parents were over because my mom was going to go to the hospital with us. And my dad was going to take care of my dog. I remember there was a point it had to have been like eight o'clock. We were showing my dad where we took our dog to this park and I like fell to the ground during a contraction. Just like, I didn't fall, but I like went down to the ground. And I remember telling Josh, like, tell the hospital to come here, take her out of me. I can't go on. (laughs) And he, yes, yes, totally. And he's just like, you know, it's going to get harder. Right. And I was like, why are you telling me that? And I was like, that was not helpful. Like. And then um, I don't just remember my dad at the car, like, is everything okay? Is I'm like moaning on the ground and I'm like, I'm fine, just going through a contraction. (laughs) We'll be there in a minute. But yeah, I think I like uh, a lot of it was like coping through it on a medicine ball. And I think I took like a warm shower at home um, and a lot of counter pressure. And I think there was one point where I was like sitting on the toilet, but I was just like, yeah, we should go. I think it was like midnight, almost one o'clock when we called in and actually went to the hospital and laboring in the car was the worst ever. Like, I think it was like maybe a 15, 20 minute drive, but I was just like, this is not cool. <laughs> a
0: lot of people say that, that, that car ride can be terrible.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had just like, I just couldn't keep anything down at that point too. So when I got into the hospital, they did the IV and I was actually um, hooked up to an IV for fluids at that point. Them um,
0: Check you when you got there.
1: Yeah. So I think it's, standard for them too and that was worse too like I did not like I'd never been checked just in general anyway but then like being checked in the middle of like contractions I don't know it was horrible and she's like you could be at a four you could be at a five or more she's like I really can not tell because like you were like moving and like I was like yeah it was so like it was so uncomfortable so yeah I mean I was far enough long enough that they like were willing to admit me. Um, and your water was still intact at this point, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and before they got the continuous IV for fluids, um, one of the nurses had actually, um, she blew through two of my veins. I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, this is worse than the contractions. I feel like, Yes. and we ended up getting the room with the birth tub in it and they were filling that up As I was like um, kind of leaning against the bed, going through a contraction. And that's when my water broke. And I remember Josh thinking that I'd puked again because of how much fluid came out. And I was like, no, that's definitely, and it was weird. Like people asked if like I could feel it pop or if it was uncomfortable. And I don't remember because it was in the middle of a contraction. So I think I was so focused on the contraction that like, I just like felt the water like gush out, but I don't remember like this i i could feel like the wetness but i couldn't remember like what it actually felt like right. for it to break yeah so that was interesting and then i labored in the tub for most of it but then her heart rate dropped so i had to get out and actually i delivered
0: her in the bed on all fours which was interesting were they doing intermittent Dopplering with like the handheld every like, you know, 15 minutes normally in the tub? Yeah, they
1: were. And that was uncomfortable too.
0: So I'm like, would I do that again because of that? Because I was in the tub. Te- you know what I mean? Like, it's always hard because you have to listen, you know, because, because their heart rate was dropping and they wouldn't have known that had they not been, but it also can be a little bit of a pain because a lot of times, like we do have to move your positions and try to get your belly a little bit out of the water. That way we can hear good through a contraction right. and that can- be hard to get you into that position while you're having a contraction. Yes, yes. And that's what I remember. So like
1: thinking about this next time, I'm like, do I just stay out of the water just because it's easier to monitor, you know, her heart rate and things like that. And I just remember it being so uncomfortable, like in the middle of contractions and them doing that. I'd be like, did you get it
0: yet? You know? <laughs> and you got out after her heart rate started dropping, and were you complete, or did you have to still labor for a little bit? I was to the point of where
1: I felt like I needed to push. Okay. When we got to that point, but my midwife was like, "You're not fully effaced." She actually ended up opening up my cervix like manually because I was like, "I'm going to push," and she's like, "You can't. Like, you are going to hurt yourself if you do. So just like give me a minute and like let me work with your body." You know. Right. So that was that wasn't painful at all, actually. Like I thought it would be more painful, but yeah, I, I mean, in between contractions, I either like was almost falling asleep. I feel like, or I was like saying something funny. Well, I thought it was funny. It really wasn't <laughs> funny, but I was like, she's such an asshole. Like she's hurting me. And, the midwife would be like, it's not her. It's your contractions. It's just working with you to get your baby out and all this stuff. And I was like, or I'd be like, she's going to be born in shit water. Like I'm going to poop. Like I'm going to (laughs) poop. And I really think I did because they got the little, like, I don't know, fish like net thing. Right. And, uh, I remember my sister being there too. And she was just like, you don't poop. Like you're fine. But I'm pretty sure I did. I just don't think anybody (laughs) wanted to say anything. They still won't tell you to this (laughs) day. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, by the time I got out, she's like, you could have her standing up and like in my head, I'm like, I can't have her standing up. Like I'm going to slip. And then she's gonna go in the water. I was like, I'll just get out and like have her, you know, on the bed, and I'll be fine. And like, I didn't even think about positions of like laboring outside of the tub. Um, but yeah, I was just on all fours, like up against the bed. which Ended up great. I had like Josh on one arm, hooked hooked on one arm, and then my sister hooked on the other, and then just kind of pushing there. But um, yeah, I like told everybody about like my Brazilian and that it was fine. And my mom is sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is so
0: embarrassing. Like, I'm so sorry. She's. <laughs> You know there's no privacy <laughs> there's no boundaries trust me as a labor nurse I see everything and you just get so close to your patients because yes. I mean there's just i this might sound really weird but I've seen more of them and I've seen them at you know, the hardest place they'll ever be at in their lives and the best place they'll ever be at in their lives. Right. And physically, I've seen a lot of them. So there's just no boundaries. There's no filters. Yeah. Nope. I know my mom's like, you didn't have to do anything and you didn't mean to just, like
1: say anything about
0: that. I was like, happen. I just, yeah. I
1: ended up, so I ended up laboring at the hospital, I think for four hours total. 45 minutes of those was like pushing, pushing her out. So it seemed long to me, but I remember being like, okay, like for first time moms, it could be anywhere from like an hour to two hours of pushing. So like I have to like keep that in mind too. And I was thinking, I about- tell people two to three
0: hours. Oh, good. So <laughs> I pushed for five with a oh. patient for five hours. Oh my and gosh. So yeah. 45 minutes and four hour labor to go from, you know, four to five centimeters to complete and having a baby in four hours, that is very fast for a first baby. I can, that's very fast. Well, that's good.
1: I am like, I'm like maybe I was further along and she
0: just couldn't
1: tell like (laughs) dilated yeah who knows but it felt like forever and like her like coming in and out of like the canal you know like where their heads I was like no she just
0: needs to come back and forth for a little while Uh under under your pubic bone yeah
1: that was definitely interesting and I'm glad I'm so glad I read about the like ring of fire too because there was some point where I was just like oh my gosh this burns like this burns like no other and Josh was just like remember we were about this and and so i think him knowing kind of the terminology and like reminding me of what was normal yeah. and what wasn't was super super helpful Oh, also during transition, there was definitely a time where my sister had an epidural. So I just like, was like, I want what Maida have had, like, I can't do this. And he's like, remember, like he's, he's like, we can do whatever you want, but just like, remember that this is also very normal to feel yeah. this way. And like, once you get out of this stage, like you're going to be in the pushing stage and like, you're going to like, you're almost there. And my midwife was great too. She was just like, this is your birth. So you can like do whatever you want. Like she was super empowering, but like also reminding me, like, there's so many, women that are here in this room that have also done it and like, believe
0: in you, you know? So that was, that was definitely helpful as well. How was your postpartum experience after having your first baby? Uh, postpartum
1: overall it was good. I felt like I healed great and everything like that. I think I was not prepared for baby and like not sleeping. Like I just didn't know anything about sleeping cues and any of that. So she, I mean, they don't use the term colic anymore. It's like the purple cry period where all babies go through it. There's just like that spectrum, right? That some babies are a little bit more difficult to soothe. soothe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thanks. And so like, she was definitely that just very like upset and like frustrated, um, had a difficult time sleeping. Um, and I don't do well with like sleep deprivation. And so that was, I felt like I got, hit by a train, like constantly, like every morning postpartum was definitely harder for me. I definitely got some like PPA and PPD, just dealing with that sleep deprivation, but also like not letting people help and like having that control. That's something I'm definitely focusing more on for this pregnancy.
0: I definitely think that that is a very common theme. Um, and I, I don't, we've, I've mentioned this in a previous podcast before, but it's like, we're all guilty of it, but we prepare so much for labor. You know, you read the books, you watch the documentaries, you watch the YouTube, you listen to the podcasts. so much about labor and labor, you know, can be fairly short. And we spend so much time doing that. And so much less time preparing for the postpartum period and actually having a baby and breastfeeding and, you know, learning about lactation and learning about infant sleep and things like that. And it's just crazy how we're all kind of wired to put so much weight and so much preparation on labor and birth that we don't really do much for the next, you know, it's years. Yeah. And labor and birth can only can be as short as four hours,
1: right? People talk about it being hard and difficult to be a parent, but not to the extent that I felt like I dealt with. It was, it was just like a lot of, like, she would go anywhere from like, 2 to 6 a.m. and there'd be like two hours where she was just unconsolable, Um, you know, and trying to rotate between like the rocker and the bouncer and like walking around and like nursing and, you know, all those things. So, I mean, that lasted a good while. Like she was still waking up to nurse every two hours, I think up until she was like seven months old. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sleep training. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think we got to the point And my husband, too, was like, we need to do something different because like your like mental health is not doing okay. which I like appreciated that he was on board um, to do it because I was like, yeah, something needs to change because I didn't have a lot of like I didn't have any like self-harm or like thoughts of like harming others or like the baby or anything, but just a lot of thoughts of like wanting my old life back and running away, you know, and like not having the responsibilities of being a parent. I was like, can I like have my old life back and like
0: somebody just take care of her, you know? So those are definitely very common things that women feel postpartum, but, and I've said this before too, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal or you have to like suffer with that. So you know, the sleep deprivation, the hormonal changes, all the new things that happen postpartum can be extremely difficult to cope with. And that's where it's so huge to, you know, focus more so on that preparation that you can do beforehand to prepare for those, especially that first year of having the baby, even simple education, like, like we kind of touched on earlier, just like about, you know, breastfeeding and how to sleep train a baby. And even with breastfeeding, there can be a lot of babies who are a little bit more fussy or colicky from foods that mom is eating. So just having education based on that and being able to like change up your diet to help baby also is huge.
1: Right, right. Which- like that would have been so great, you know, or even just like the different growth spurts too of like, okay, your baby's going through their two week growth spurt. Cause she was like an angel for two weeks and would like sleep and eat, you know, when they're just like acclimating to like being out of the womb and all of a sudden they're like, oh, like I'm actually in a new place. Like I'm going to start crying more and doing all these things. So yeah, I think going in to this at least like postpartum, I think knowing those things will be a little bit more helpful. Um, Just knowing that like sometimes some babies are fussier and it's not anything medical, like it's just kind of their temperament also. Cause I remember going in and be like, there's something, there has to be something wrong because she yeah. like, we cannot soothe her. And they're like, well, she's fitting up when she's eating. Is she like doing this or that after nursing? And I was like, no, no. Like, do you notice this with her stool? You know, like everything was like totally normal. I don't know. I think just having that validation and and um, hearing other people's stories eventually, like once I started speaking Out more about our experience was like helpful. But like wishing that like that would have been like more upfront information given would have been helpful to start because everybody's like, Oh, like, don't you just love being a parent? Isn't it the best? And I'm like, No, I like literally hate it. Like, I hate it, like this is so
0: hard, you know. know, So I definitely, you know, cute baby snuggles and rainbows and butterflies until they're in it. And it's it's difficult. And I think it goes back to how we said you know when you're preparing to have a natural unmedicated birth you have to have the mindset that this is going to be the hardest thing i've ever been through but i can do it and right. the same thing with the postpartum period knowing raising this baby for the first year especially is going to be the hardest thing i've ever done but i can do it and that is huge. Even, even that's relatable to like breastfeeding, you know, people might think breastfeeding is easy, but then they get in it and they quit really quickly. Cause they're like, I thought it was supposed to be easy. It's not easy. Maybe I'm just not meant for it. Same thing with having a new baby. You know, I thought it was going to be easy and snuggles and all cute and it's hard. So maybe I wasn't meant for it. And it's just preparing mentally that this time frame from pregnancy to, you know, even when the baby's a couple years old, it can be some of the hardest times, but in it, there's so much reward and so much joy to be found that for sure outweighs everything hard
1: right no definitely and that's definitely like after her her first year it was like so much better you know and even like when we slept trained or sleep trained and like i was getting more sleep and more support that way like my view of things was so much better and i was able to tolerate things that i wasn't able to before so before having, um, Sienna, I was already on a anti-anxiety for PMDD. So for my period and things like that, my cycle just was really hard. So I think it definitely, like, I can't imagine what postpartum would have been like without being on medicine already. Um, just because of like the extreme emotions and the hormones and things like that. So I think that, and, and eventually going to therapy was helpful, which like as a mental health therapist, I'm like,
0: why didn't I do that sooner? You know what I mean? Like I always uh, in my discharge in like education with moms before they leave the hospital, I always touch pretty heavily on the postpartum blues, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety because yeah. it is it's it's common, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal and you have to suffer with it. And yeah. I always say it doesn't matter if you've struggled with depression and anxiety your whole life or if you've never had a lick of depression or anxiety postpartum depression, anxiety, they pick whoever they want. You could struggle forever and then postpartum be absolutely fine. Or you could have never struggled with depression and postpartum have extremely severe postpartum depression. It doesn't matter. It's so much physical changes that you're going through. And the best thing to do is talk to your OB. Don't wait till your six week follow-up. If you feel like it's getting out of hand and you can't handle it, follow Mm -hmm. up with your OB. Let them, like you said, you can't imagine not being on your anti-anxiety medication. Let them put you on something small dose for a small period of time just to get through that because it, it can help wonders. Right. Right.
1: And, and I know a lot of women were like worried about like supplementing or, you know, not supplementing, but like um, breastfeeding and being on something. And I was like, it is so much better, like for mom to feel good and to nurse their baby and just like be a better mom and like a healthier mom, you know, mentally than like being super stressed or anxious or depressed and taking care of a baby. I'd
0: rather have you not breastfeed and feel better and not depressed and feel like you have energy and you enjoy being a mother, than be absolutely miserable and suffering yet breastfeeding, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. But you definitely, and you know, you have to weigh out the pros and cons. And the biggest thing is to go see your provider, go see your midwife or your OB and talk to them about it. Because like I said, there's no reason to suffer through that.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. So I've actually been doing kind of some preventative work this time around. So I'm part of like a mom or a postpartum like mom kind of group just talking about, um, I guess, cause I'm going from one to two too. So I think the anxiety of like, is this experience going to be different? Is it going to be the same? And like, and how, like I'm going to need to cope better with it because I have somebody already depending on me. It's not just one. And I can't just like sleep when they sleep because I have a toddler running around. Um, so that, and then um, actually like getting linked up with a perinatal therapist that like specializes in it. So I think that'll be helpful just having that already established versus like trying to find somebody when the time or if the time comes afterwards. It's
0: all about being proactive. Right. Right. Which I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think about this last time. (laughs) Hey, you live and you learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So are you planning an unmedicated
1: hospital birth again with this baby? Yeah. So that's the same plan. Um, I had quite a bit of a support team last time. So it was actually like my husband, my mom, my sister, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law. So there was quite a Few of us in there, um, which I was super grateful for. I think this time with COVID and everything, they have a limited to two. But I think it, it's just going to be my husband and I. There was a lot of things that like everybody did that was helpful, but I think just not being able to have the same support team, I'm like, and this being our last, I'm like, I kind of want it to be a little bit more intimate. I think, yeah. So, so yeah, the the same plan. Um, I really would love to deliver her in the water. I just think that would be a cool experience. Another girl. Yeah, it's another maybe girl. That's what I was going to ask yeah. next. <laughs> another girl. And so we'll see. I'm like maybe I'll maybe I'll like labor outside and maybe get in to deliver. I don't know. Maybe I'll try something different. Um, your body will just, guide you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just doing kind of like a it's kind of like a sped online virtual birth education thing that we found online i'm like trying to remember who it's through but anyway it's just like it's a birth education class for people that have already done an unmedicated birth they kind of just want a sped up version of yeah. what they learned the first time so that's what we're doing and i reread like through ina may's book and Josh actually had like a husband coach child birth book that he read last time, that he like had highlighted and tabbed a couple pages that he's going
0: through. So, well, I'm sure time. you know this, but your first baby came pretty quick. So <laughs> <laughs> don't dilly dally at home too long this time. Yes. Yes. Had many babies birthed in the car on the way and in the lobby downstairs and, you know, yeah. fully at home because sometimes those second one's especially when you're, you know, don't have an epidural, they come quick.
1: <laughs> yes. And Josh keeps telling me that too. Cause I was like, I think I could have labored at home longer last time. Like, you know, the contractions weren't that bad. He's like, but remember when you were in the car and like, once I got to the hospital, it was seriously, like I'd take a few steps and then I'd have a contraction. And then I would take a few steps. He's like, we don't want to do that. Like in the car or like, we don't want to have a baby in the car. He's like, I don't want to have a baby in the car. <laughs>
0: so that's great well I would definitely love to have you on to share your next birth story with us after you have this next little girl
1: yes yes <laughs> um definitely and that could be I don't know sienna was born at 38 weeks so it freaks me out but I'm like that could be like six next
0: months. month <laughs> <laughs> yeah make it to at least like 36 preferably even 37 yes and, you know you can do whatever you need to <laughs> yes exactly Yeah. So last, last question I like to ask people, do you have like two tips or bits of advice for new moms or moms to be? I think a big thing is just like being educated on,
1: you know, the different types of labors that you want. Like, do you want to be a medicated? Do you want to be medicated? Knowing what can help you with like either birth plan that you have. And I think a big thing that you touched throughout your podcast is like C-sections and education on that, because that's something that I didn't even like think about. Like, what if I would have had to have a C-section for whatever reason, you know, like, even though I had an unplanned medicated birth, like there's things that happen during birth that you just can't plan for. And that's definitely something that we'll have just in case that comes up. Like, it was just, like I said, nothing that I would have ever thought or that could be in, in, you know, the books, but like babies do whatever they want, you know, and like, you don't get to decide. And so I think a big one, just like being educated on that and, and the different like pain reliefs too. like the one thing that I was willing to do was the nitrous oxide. And Josh was the only one that knew that, but I was just like, if it gets to a point where like, I want something like, that's what I'm willing to do at least, you know, for now that, and just, I mean, being open and aware to like changes during labor and delivery because I think you've said it multiple times that like you can have a plan or a preference when it comes to like labor Um, but again babies do what they want like I wanted to have a water birth and that didn't happen and you just do what you got
0: to do and not being like set in stone dead hard on a
1: plan. Right. Like I wasn't like upset or frustrated. I was, I think at that point I was like, Hey, let's just get this baby yeah. out of me. Um, and then just being educated postpartum and having support and, and letting people that can support you, like help you. Um, because I know that I had it available to me, but I was just like super anxious and like, you're not going to do it the right way or like I'm the mom, you know? So mm. I, I know the only way possible that can keep her alive and well, even though that's like not valid or logical, (laughs) but like in my head, it was like, there's nobody else that can do it as good as me, you know? So I think
0: letting help in. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think that's huge when it comes to even especially helping with postpartum depression and anxiety. I know anxiety. you probably get anxiety when somebody watches your newborn, but being able to just, you know, be Try to be as calm as you can and just allow that help to come into your life. Somebody taking your baby for an hour for you to take a nap can be one of the most heal. It's amazing what a nap can do for you. I mean, mm-hmm. an hour nap for a postpartum mom while, you know, your mother-in-law or your mother or your sister or your neighbor who you trust watches your newborn can be just so much change and allow allowing somebody to bring you guys over a hot meal or, you know, don't feel bad about ordering takeout for a couple of weeks. Like right. it's just allowing those things to lift burdens off of you, hire a cleaning service if you need to, you know, if it's right. having a clean house, like I know for me, that's something I'm going to do. I clean my house every single day. I vacuum my wipe everything down. And I know postpartum, that will stress me out if it's not done. And I right. am fully preparing to hire a cleaning woman mm-hmm. or person. <laughs> so it's just po- even while you're pregnant planning on how can I, lift things that stress me out in my everyday life off of me to prepare for that postpartum period is huge. And you can, you know, you can set up meal service, cleaning people, all those things. Somebody can, you know, do your lawn and your outdoor services, whatever you need to do to kind of free up yourself and lift burdens off yourself. And I think that's just huge.
1: Right. Right. No. And I totally agree. Um, I did, um, like frozen meals last time, which yeah. I, um, will plan on doing this time too. But I think I told Josh, I was like, I need to like have a list of things for like people to do when they're like asking for That's help. Or, too. Yeah. yeah. Like I would have my mom come over and she's like, I don't even know why I'm like over here. Cause you don't <laughs> let me do anything, you know, with the first baby. And so this time around, I'm definitely going to be like, okay, like I need help. And this is what you can do.
0: Yes. I, that, that's amazing. That's a smart, that's a good thing to do. Like make a list. And when friends or family come over here, this is what you can do. Anything on this yes. list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like
1: allowing myself to sleep, like, I don't know, locking myself in the room, like putting the sound machine on for myself just to like get that sleep because the sleep deprivation is really what got me last time. And so I think being aware of like, kind of like where, I don't know, my bucket
0: gets full and empty the most, yeah. you know, is like super important to be aware of. Yeah. That's all really good. Well, yeah. thank you for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed having you and I really enjoyed hearing your story. I'm super excited for you. Congratulations in advance. You, on this next Baby. Um, you said it's a blast also. Yes. I think my postpartum last
1: time was just so difficult and and babies, I think. It might be easy this time. (laughs) It might be. It might be. I also, I'm also, I also feel really guilty because I'm like, uh, so we work both work with like children and adolescents. And so I'm like, Oh, I want to be like, I don't want to pay somebody to watch my kid while I'm helping others other kids. And so I think there's some like weird guilt with that. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have two kids so I can eventually get back to my career, but like not feel like I'm paying somebody to raise my kids. I don't know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would love for you to come back after you have this next baby and share your story. So thank you for coming on and thank you for just being willing to share everything that you did. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at whatthebumpclt. Check out our website, whatthebumpclt.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.